0: ba 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 They shoot the shit. They shoot. They shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shoot. Shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. As always, I am your host, Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa. Um... Before I get into my special guest today, I'd like to thank my $15 or more a month patrons. They are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrin, Kevin CV, Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price collaborating online, Alex Shaw, Seth Comfort, Seth Decker, Andrew Krause, Little Nicky, Robert V. Aldrich, Aaron Moriarty, Carolyn Thompson, Scott Arcuri, and Shore Hansen Gusted. And to my newest patron, Paul Capello. Who you've heard on a couple episodes of the Talkbuster podcast. Paul is one of my very best friends, and I'm so happy to welcome him into the fray of folks that, uh, you know, just think it's a good idea to try to help me continue doing this stuff. So I really appreciate it, Paul. Um, this show is a lot of my recent shows is brought to you by Skeeter plays. It's another one of my very best friends, Steve Brennan, who also worked with me at Blockbuster, just like Paul has started a let's play channel. You get over there to YouTube search for Skeeter plays and he plays some random games with some cool people and I'll be on there soon as well. And with that, um, I get to today's very special guest returning guest, Alex Peregrine, Alex for people that are just hearing, uh, you for the first time on this show, introduce yourself
1: hi so i'm alex i talk about stuff i i guess i don't know
0: yeah that's what you and you're you're uh you're on my um discord channel alex if you if you guys are on the discord is the awesome guy that's been sharing uh basically like his history through music um on discord and i i always love the the songs that you share and it brings me back a lot of them so that's really cool yeah and, um, you know, when, when Alex comes on, we just, you know, we put a set of topics together and talk about, uh, some fun things. You've also contributed to your school of movies, um, Alex and Sharon Shaw. Um, you're just an all around great guy and I just love having you around, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so first and foremost, you know, in this hellscape of a year that everyone has been having, um, you, you let me know that you were moving. And so how's that going along?
1: It's stressful. I mean, it's really been kind of a nearly two year process because I mean the house that I'm currently living in and I'm living with my my mom, which when you do that long enough, you stop being a parasite and become a necessity, especially yep. after or especially after her, her husband dies. But oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's inevitable, but anyway, so um, uh, the house that we're in, and I've lived in this house since I was one year old, and it's a fairly big house, which made sense with, with a family of four, but it doesn't really make sense anymore. And it's also an old house. It's constructed in, I think, the 1890s initially, although it got revamped a few times since then. Remember that for a long time, there was just a window that was just facing wall in the first floor bathroom because the kitchen was put on, but that wall wasn't changed for the longest time. And I was fascinated with that as a kid.
0: Yeah, so um, do you guys have selected where you're going to be moving to, or
1: yes, is it, we, okay? We have a place lined up and we're, we're in the process of packing just so much stuff to go there.
0: Is your new house uh, newer construction, hopefully, yeah, it was, or?
1: It was constructed in either 2000 or 2001.
0: All right, so there's, there's an improvement.
1: Yeah. Just not dealing with old house problems, such as this current house. I guess, well, first off, the walls are plaster, so something I had to do was I had to run Ethernet just to all the places that need Internet. Because oh. plaster walls are basically a Faraday cage. <laughs> yes, they are. But, uh, But also, I guess the house was settling and so something that had to be done was putting putting steel beams with essentially jacks in the basement in order to hold the house up
0: uh yeah i've had to do that with mine
1: <laughs> yeah it's i guess houses weren't really constructed necessarily with the best engineering back in the 19th century
0: no 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 (laughs) let's just put them on these loose rocks and see what happens
1: yeah and let's also use (laughs) nails instead of screws oh my yeah um
0: she said it's been nearly a two-year process so what's um what's been uh holding it up
1: Um, just no one nobody wanted to buy it all that time
0: i gotcha okay so have you always had the same house in mind for where you wanted to go i mean i would imagine that was kind of a recent choice, right?
1: It's a very recent choice. I mean, yeah. it's something where I was really concerned about the possible house we might move into just because I kind of have issues with places being too bright. But, yep. and apparently a trend in newer houses is just put sunroofs everywhere.
0: Yeah yeah which which for someone with sensitivity to things like that is just like this house is trying to hurt me why
1: (laughs) yeah but the house that we found is almost perfect as far as what i like the only thing that really needs to change is just that the west's facing so the The front door is on the east side and the west side has the living room, the sunroom, which I'll be spending as little time as possible inside Uh and such. And there are some fairly big windows, but we're going to look at maybe getting drapes or something to kind of lessen that a bit. It doesn't have to be 100%. It just has to be, I don't know, 70% as bright.
0: Right will uh will you will you have to do crazy wall ripping and ethernet running in the new house or is it actually designed with the current world in mind
1: uh, i mean in the year 2000 they didn't really i mean wireless networks existed but weren't really a thing so right it wasn't and also i don't think houses are necessarily constructed with that in mind i think it was just that because of drywall and other such changes to houses that
0: doesn't block everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But but yes, I am going to be running Ethernet too. And also I've already picked out out the the network routers where they're something I wanted to do, which there are a lot of things I put off doing at this current house just because it would be temporary, but one of the things is, so there's there's a standard in wireless referred to as a mesh network uh-huh. where you, because I mean, just for some basic terminology, a router is basically the machine that tells where the signals go, whether it be on a wire or over wireless. <laughs> And and what an AI mesh network does is it they all communicate with each other in and they share one ID and they're able to based on signal strength and such route the traffic based on which one has the best best latency. It's yep. in use in most places with commercial wireless but i've always wanted to do that because at this current house because mesh networks weren't the thing when i initially set it up you would just have things such as um our last name name hey, kitchen or living room or upstairs right and because i kind of set it up piecemeal over time you would just have weird technical issues that would come up such as why for the longest time the upstairs wireless node basically it would not connect with the internet network necessarily it would instead basically just connect directly to the internet and the issue with that is just that we have we have a shared storage server that we use in this house, and you need to be connected to the inner network to use that. Right. But I eventually somehow convinced that machine to save its settings.
0: <laughs> Through persuasion. Yes. Or sacrificing a chicken. Or- yeah.
1: <laughs> or just constantly clicking in safe settings and just having it eventually decide to actually do it
0: Oh, I hate technology <laughs> love it at the same time, but it it they they add these user interfaces and things and you click and it just doesn't it doesn't click
1: <sighs> yeah I mean something I never really thought of until. Well, one of my relatives brought up just that when I was helping him with his issues, he brought up just casually that when I spent about four hours or so helping him construct a new computer, he just told me that doing the same thing with a professional would have cost about $400. Yep. Yep. And it was just kind of one of those things where it's just, well, I often feel completely worthless and meaningless in life. But for that brief moment, I realized, oh, I saved somebody $400 (laughs) along with just whenever I see somebody mention taking the computer to the shop. I just, I don't know. I, I kind of wonder in terms of kind of what causes proficiency in something, along with just the perspective that I never really thought of computers as all that difficult, necessarily. Right. A lot of it comes down to just knowing how to search for particular things, knowing what text to look for, along with, of course, what every computer professional does most of the day, which is just search online for solutions. Right. But yeah, so the new house, something else that I get to finally do after having all my stuff in boxes for 19 years is, I well, all my, because during college, I, I had changed the room that I was living in, in the house, and I had boxed up all of my movies, video games and such, and I've just remained in those boxes pretty much all this time. Finally, I get to do some shelving and put stuff on display. Excellent. Yeah. I've got pretty big canvas in the basements to do that. So... Great. It's I love
0: I, I love displaying physical media and stuff. I, I don't know. It's just... It's very... um It's very comforting to me.
1: Yeah. I... I strongly prefer physical media and I've also, well, have this one theory in terms of why there's a lot of nostalgia for video stores is yeah. because it's physical medium, And also because when you go there, unless you're, unless you spend a lot of money or something, you are making a narrow decision and you have to commit to that decision. Yes. So you don't It's a lot the... Go ahead. So you don't get the whole thing where you start watching something, get bored, and then Netflix just makes it super easy to just watch something else.
0: Right, when you you know, I I completely agree. I was talking to a lot of people about that about the you know, enjoying film doesn't mean you don't have to be watching a good movie and you don't even have to be watching a movie that you like, you know? Um, but like when you go to a movie theater, you're paying to sit down and watch that movie. So you've committed to it, you know, walking up and leaving, you know, there's, it's not a huge loss, but there's a loss, you know, it's okay. I spent, you know, 15 bucks and I got the popcorn and I got the drink, you know, and I'm, I'm here for an experience. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to sit it out and I'm going to see it. And then I'm going to be able to have an opinion about it after. And uh, people, you know, you didn't, you outside of like getting movies for your kids, which you're just putting on to kind of have in the background. A lot of the time you sit down and grab a rental and bring it home. You've committed to that evening or a couple of days or whatever. If I'm going to sit down and I'm going to make it through this, even if it's awful. And, then you're able to have an opinion about it. But yeah, everything's on shuffle. Everything's on shuffle now. It's just, oh, you know, okay, so I got 15 minutes into this and didn't like it and moved on. And nobody is experiencing. But then they still feel like they have an opinion about it. And it's like, did you really give it the time? I, you can hate it at the other end. You know, that's fine. But, you know, everything is just so quick and so disposable now and it's it's a bummer because i've i've bought video games you know back in the day that ended up being games that i just didn't really like and it's like i own this i'm going to try to make it through it just so i can have an opinion <coughs> and, you know it's it's a very different world when you don't have it physically when you don't have to make that commitment
1: yeah along with just the the issue that you, know, you look at any contract about digital medium they basically you don't own anything.
0: No, you don't own a damn thing. When
1: you, I, yeah,
0: go on. I was saying, that's why I, you know, outside of digital videos and movies that I've won through things, um, I, I like having a digital media library. Um, I like it because I can, you know, go on my computer or go on my TV and click and, you know, watch the stuff that I own. It's great without having to move something around. But if I'm purchasing a movie, I always try to get, You know the the blu-ray dvd digital combo and if it doesn't come with a digital. Yeah, so what you know I mean, that's not my main reason for getting it I'll I'll use the digital, you know first and foremost if I have it because it's just a lot more convenient with children around to you know not be fiddling around with DVDs, but I don't know I want to own that movie forever like and I feel even like with video games now um even though you still have a physical disc, you know, for a lot of them, you don't really own it. You know, all all PlayStation has to do is go, yeah, sorry, we're not going to do the digital handshake for that anymore because we don't have the rights. And then because you need to be connected all the time to do that, you don't really own that game either. And that's messed up. You know, I don't like that.
1: Yeah. I the way I kind of regard just things in general is if you don't own it physically, you don't actually own it. Right. And I also, I just find value in them as physical artifacts, as just as an object of art itself to have the game or the movie or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, that box, especially when they... You know, go all out and make it something clever, you know, like the, the, but that box, you know, box art, what's written on the back and everything that's a, that's equally as important to the movie or the game as the game itself. You know, I, I was talking to someone the other day about um, the lack of instruction booklets. You know, everything's digital now on games, you know, and, but that, that insert, that instruction booklet that was like a thing of, of joy, you know, in fact, a lot of the times when I'd buy like, you know, an old NES or SNES or PlayStation game, the first thing I would do when I got home was, you know, unpackage it and open it up and read through that manual. Cause it's like, this is, this is what you do before you play the game. You know, this is, oh, wow. I can do that. Oh, I get that power up later. Oh, this is so cool. And, you know. Furthermore there were games for a while that were putting Easter eggs and fun bits in there I I remember the Silent Hill Shattered Memories game on the Wii actually had a Konami um, Call Center line to like help you play the game. That was an in-game phone number and It was an Easter egg and if you called it the game would say sorry We're we're picking up from GPS that you're in Silent Hill and we can't help you and they'd hang up and it's like this is awesome like I want more stuff like this and you know How many times did you go into a video store when you were a kid and run to the horror section or run to the sci-fi section and pick up? a cover box from an older movie and rent it just based on what the picture looked like or what the back looked like and That's completely gone now. You have the full trailer and description right there in front of you and it just yeah It's more at your fingertips, but I feel like you're not watching as much on a whim anymore. It's searching for precisely what you want, and that's it.
1: Yeah. I mean, there is, depending on how you use the site, you actually can get kind of a simulation of the video store experience browsing letterboxed. Yes, yes. Because when you just do a search for whatever, they just give you the name and the poster, and you have to click through on it in order to find out more. There's some.
0: I love, I love Letterboxd.
1: So there is a movie that I just saw while I was just checking because I built an account and just put down the movies that I saw and such. So I had to go through just a lot of things, and and I just saw that there is there is some Spanish movie by the name of Magical Girl, and oh. I just kind of figured, oh, well that vague topic is interesting enough that I'll just find out blind what this is. (laughs) And it turned out it's just kind of the bad type of art film where where it's really just the plot of an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, but because there's... There are long stretches of silence. And such. And, and. People are really indirect about things. Things that. Seems. More prestige than it actually is. I, I don't know how to describe. But yeah. I, oh, I,
0: I, I get what you're saying.
1: Yeah. But that was just. Something where. I don't know if I would have. Picked that up from a video store as a kid just because kind of my entry point to it is just because as of just it's tied to that genre of mostly japanese tv shows
0: right of course
1: and but yeah that's so anyway hey i'm Well, today, actually, I'm going to go to the new house and get measurements for shelving and look at various things, such as something I want to do is I want to put smart light switches and such throughout the house because much of it because of just how it's nice to just have a light switch that you just... Kind of click on and off. It doesn't really have a set position in either direction. One of the annoying things about my current house is just that there will be light switches on either end of the room. And they just, so you can end up, or in the kitchen, there are actually two lights in particular that have three light switches. Oh, jeez. And, yeah, that's that's just something I've always found irritating, it's just that. In most rooms, the light switch is either up for on or down for off. But in those rooms, flipping it in either direction changes the state of it. So you can just have for those two lights in the kitchen that have three of them, all three of the toggles can be up. And that (laughs) will be the light is on. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I find that stuff annoying.
1: Yeah, it kind of bugs me on. I don't know. It just kind of bothers me in kind of an organization way.
0: No, of course. Yeah, and if you can can alleviate stuff like that, it just makes your life better.
1: Yeah. Not getting hung up on stuff. Along with just being able to check on the phone whether or not a light is on or... Other things that we're going to look into doing is smart garage door, where nice. you, you just you don't have to worry. Wait, is the door open? You can just check on your phone. And it's just oh, oh, it is open, and then press close or whatever.
0: That's awesome.
1: Along with how, uh, well, Amazon is doing their key. They call it Amazon key. And basically you just give them access to your garage and they just put the packages in there. And if you're worried about porch piracy.
0: Yes, which is a big deal. Um, I, I Speaking of Amazon, I like, you know, now, now that they're doing smart keys and access to your house. The only thing that's stopping Jeff Bezos from actually being Santa Claus is greed at this point. Cause 'cause like he could, yeah, I'll just do it all for you. you. Kids need gifts. Don't worry. Those will appear under the tree. We're cool.
1: Yeah. Although I'm kind of, kind of under the impression that I was just looking at the things that are Amazon key supported. And I noticed that, well, I think most of them have a security camera component to it. Right. Which is probably just liability for Amazon itself. Just yep. you have video recording of what the delivery person does.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I could see that getting bad if they didn't.
1: Yeah. But, so on
0: on here, I, I noticed just because this is a topic that's. That I actually care a lot about um, or that that interests me. I haven't played the game. But, um, I liked this note you put about last of us part two.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I was wondering if you could, and again, I, I don't mind spoilers, but I'll tell everyone else if you haven't played the game, spoiler alert, but you know, I, you put down here, you know, uh, uh, forcing a player to do horrible things, you know, in, in the case of if it's done poorly, which it sounds like you think it's done poorly here. So I'd like to see, um, it's actually, you know, a big fuck you to the player and not some deep philosophical exploration of anything. I, I remember feeling this way, God, many times. But one of the big ones was that segment in um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, I think it was, where the game forced you to play out uh, a terrorist um, assassination, basically, at a airport. And it was in slow motion and it was hyper glorified and awful. And you're basically just running around offing people innocent people and i get that they're trying to put you or their the idea was that they were trying to put you in the shoes of the other side for whatever reason but it just came off as being exploitative for no reason and i don't know if you could i don't like it when they do that in games i don't like it when they do it in movies you know without without a point but um touch on this a bit more like what's going on in the last of us two in particular that you felt was that way
1: okay so first off i just want to preface this because the last of us part two is a game that all of the worst people on the internet are using as a recruiting point to get people into the alt right so yes fuck they those are people i fully support all of the lgbt themes in this game i think that it's nice to have a game with this high of a production budget it and clearly got a lot of consultation on how to handle this properly and such. Anyway, time to shit on the game a lot for reasons that are not that
0: yes I've, I've also heard that that particular aspect of the game is handled brilliantly, um, and just the the representation is so great to see. so yeah, good good on you for that game.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, just the scene where because there's a there's a 13-year-old transgender boy in this. And oh, wow. yeah. And just that it he ends up as a companion of one of the characters you play as. And and it's that he's running away from his his religious cult, basically. That, ah As you do. Because they were not uh, they would not accept his gender. And there's just a moment where, I mean, you confront and kill about 15 or 20 of them, and they dead name him. And the character you play as, so he's just, so the characters, the transgender boy's name is Lev, and the character you play as is Abby. So Lev is just asking, hey, Abby, hey, did you hear? any of that and she doesn't really commit to anything and he even asked do you want to talk about it and she says no where it's just something where she just seems to understand yeah I don't really I get what's going on here and I don't really need to pile on anything more to the situation right that's that's a detail where I just kind of understood immediately. Oh, naughty dog actually put the effort in. Yeah. But anyway. Cra-
0: cr- crazy crazy where the creators of Crash Bandicoot have come to. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so there are a few moments that are just okay. So the whole plot of the game, again, this is just massive spoilers, just Beginning yep. to end. I am going to spoil the ending of it. If that's okay with you, of course.
0: Yeah, that's fine. No, I I will play it. But I I am not i uh, I'm not a knowing what happens ruins this scenario for me kind of guy. Especially with video games.
1: Yeah. So... The plot is kicked off when... And so... Are you familiar with the first game? I am. Okay. So... Um, it starts off a few years after after Joel murdered all of humanity's hope for the future yep. in order to save Ellie. But that that they so um, a a group of people led by Abby, who it turns out is the daughter of the main scientist that Joel just shot in the face or however you decided to do it in the original (laughs) game. Yep. And and so uh, she wants revenge, and she does track down Joel and then just murders the shit out of him with a nine iron while Joel's brother is restrained, and Ellie walks in just as she's about to deal the finishing blow, but because they're not a group of monsters basically. They they spare both I think it's I think Joel's brother's name is Tommy. They spare Tommy and Ellie which of course is kind of their big mistake in this world because they go on a they go on a big rampage against and this group. But but anyway there's a moment where Ellie tracks down one of the people that was present at, at Joel's murder and is there to interrogate her. And at some point, the game, when this person is just refusing to talk, the game just stops, basically just idles with a button prompt and Ellie looking furious, holding a lead pipe and Oof. at that moment it was just you know what no i'm not going to do that and i just sat there for about 3 or 4 minutes and the game just did nothing and it was just no i don't want to torture somebody that's tasteless that's just crass if you're going to have torture in this don't don't act as though making me press the button is going to mean all that much but right
0: exactly
1: but anyway Hey, the game just sat there and it was just fine. I'll press the button and and of course Allie just starts beating this person. And and it was just something where at that at that moment just crystallized to me of just, you know, whatever dramatic point was trying to be made got undermined by making it interactive. Yeah. I did not feel it, the way that I kind of phrased it, it, it is just that. And you just have a game that just says, press square to torture. And it's just, no, I don't want to do that. Press square to torture. I'm going to sit here and wait for another option. Game sits there for a while. Fine, I'll press the button. And the game says, you monster.
0: Yeah, it, it's, you know, I've I've always disliked when they do stuff like that because when when a game gives you interactivity that's supposed to be putting you in the shoes of the protagonist cuz you're controlling this person, you're making them do stuff and games like this are based a lot on your personal choices. I get that making it be about you and your choice, but that's not a choice. So make it be a cutscene if it's character development for the person I'm playing that they we're going to hunt this person down in a rage, you know torture them to get information. Fine, if that's your narrative, let it be them that's making the choice. But making it me have no choice, but making me have to decide when the torture is doled out, it breaks that wall down and then doesn't there's nothing fun about it because you didn't have a choice. So you're not learning anything about yourself. In the shoes of the character, you're only learning that there's only one decision, so why why make me hit a button? yeah I agree yeah. that's that's terrible.
1: yeah, but anyway, I mean, at the very end of the game, because of course, yeah, you know, I always find it amusing when you just see think pieces talk about. The Last of Us, either part one or part two as being some great, great artistic achievements of video games. But the problem is that there's still video games where Uh you kill a lot of people unless you're supernaturally good at the game because they put you in a lot of situations where you basically have to kill everybody. It is a game that has stealth components has a stealth component to it, but it's just. And also kind of encourages the stealth component because you get almost no ammo, at least on the higher difficulties and, and aiming with an analog stick is misery. Right. Um, But yeah, anyway, at the very end of the game, which kind of did something that really bothered me on a storytelling level which is essentially the game had its ending and then just went for another two hours after it. Really? Um, Where, I mean, the proper ending to the game is just there's... So part of the conceit of this game is that you play as both Ellie and Abby during it, where you start the game out and you go through... They're just Allie having a miserable time in Seattle trying to track down Abby and that's in such. And then eventually you get up to a confrontation with Abby. And then the game goes back to the first day in Seattle. And now you're playing as Abby and going through her story. And that's where things such as her... They're linking up with with Lev and his sister. Come up. But but anyway, hey they the proper end to the game is just that. And I mean Abby decides not to kill Ellie because basically Abby gets the superpower of the player controlling her for that fight. Yep. So uh, she decides not to kill Ellie and Tommy, and also Ellie's companion throughout this is, who, who, basically, it turns out is pregnant, and oh. and just that Ellie through Ellie earlier on just. In a fight, unknowingly killed a pregnant woman and you Oof. just think, oh, so oh, they're going to pay this off by Abby also killing somebody, but Abby's whole trajectory is just that she becomes less of a shitty person. But but anyway, hey, the proper end to the game, I mean, without a sequel hook, is just that Ellie goes and lives basically a married life with Dina and her baby. And right. But, and if they needed to have the sequel hook, they have the scene where Tommy just shows up and says, Hey, there are rumors that Abby is in Santa Barbara, living in a beached boat there. And we should go do something about that. If you need to have the sequel hook, but they just decided we're going to actually do something there. And, 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 they introduce a new faction of slavers just for this last bit of the game that had no, they did not exist until they just needed bad guys for you to mow down. Right. And, but at the very, very end of the game, after Ellie catches up with Abby, who there is clearly been starved for a long time since Abby has, Abby had a very kind of barrel chested muscular physique for most of the game, but at the end of it, because she had been kept as a slave for months, she just lost all of that. And Ellie just decides, even though she had basically rescued her from essentially being crucified, Ellie just decides, no, we're having our final battle. And when that started, it was just, you know what? I just evaded Abby for several minutes. It was just, you know, let me just not go through with this. This is just miserable. (laughs) But because the game has some huge, deep points to make, of course, they forced me to have this fight. It was just something where it was just, you know... um, Just get to the point where you just have... A show of mercy, which, yeah, the game made, the game made me miserable, but it did not make me miserable in a way that I felt was really intentional or on an artistic level. I just kept thinking of it in design terms, in terms of just what Naughty Dog is trying to force out of the player. And when you're thinking of the creator rather than the creation, it has failed,
0: Right, I agree. Huh.
1: I mean... But... Anyway, I I don't like this game. I don't recommend it. It is... In terms of the actual playability of it, it is clearly a game that had a $100 million budget, so it is right. incredibly refined. Although, a lot of the... In- I played it on Survivor Mode, which is the second highest difficulty, because the highest difficulty just gets rid of the interface for the most part, and I didn't want to do that. I, I play almost every game at the highest or close to the highest difficulty because, at least for AAA games anyway, they're kind of... The way they're kind of designed is they design the highest difficulty and then they just essentially put in built in cheats rolls. Right. And that. So, I mean, there are many games where their idea for the highest difficulty is they just make everything a sponge. Right. That's usually. <laughs> But usually for AAA games, it's just something where you play on medium and it's for someone that's been playing video games since they were six years old. It just comes across as almost panderingly easy. Right. But anyway, in in survivor mode, there are encounters where. They basically just. Give you a whole lot of hyper competent enemies that are. Doing things the way they actually should be doing. Doing multiple person sweeps of an area. Checking all the corners and such. And because this is a game that doesn't give you a lot of ammo and such. Taking away the stealth aspect of handling the situation is just. I eventually got through that because of just being able to. I'm also always hyper aware of kind of. The game decisions and the artificial intelligence. So eventually I got into, I found kind of a corner where I was able to melee people to death. And then the other people would just stay out off in the far distance. And after a while of them not seeing you, they go back into searching for you. Right. So it's just kind of odd where it was just, well, they know I'm behind this bookcase but because they did not make a move on me for a while, they're just cycling back to the search mode. <laughs> but, yeah, also, I kind of felt the best moment in the game is is when it just kind of embraces being inherently ridiculous with this boss that you fight as Abby in the basements of a long-abandoned hospital that is essentially just about 15 or so infected that have just kind of merged into each other. And and it was just a moment of just kind of, oh, thank you for something that feels like it has some type of pulpy joy to it in the middle of all this misery. Right. And i mean the fight itself is just i mean it mostly just comes down to running through corners that are too small for it to get through and then just it's it's just a bullet sponge thing but still just getting something like that was a joy
0: yeah games games spend too much time recently being too realistic and i i do like the uh the throw in of something just ridiculous and silly to kinda take it out take it into the fantastical and just make it fun a little bit. You know, it doesn't have to be a fun game. It can still have a hard story, you know, and uh but I like to see something a little bit whimsical like that.
1: Yeah. And what's so I would say Go what ahead. it reminds me of, but it would be a spoiler for a different game. So I won't. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. Um, I want to, uh, I want to wrap up soon only because um, it's a crazy work day, but I wanted to ask, and if this is a longer conversation, we can do it another time, but I see you written super Metroid, a link to the past randomizer. And wh- what exactly is going on with that thought there?
1: Okay. So uh, there's, this won't take too long because I mean, So there's a, because emulation is a thing and homebrew games are a thing. Some team figured out that there were enough headers and and such along with enough maximum supported storage space that they created a game where it's both Super Metroid and A Link to the Past. You have different entry points to swap between the two games, and the items for both games are scattered throughout both games. Ah! And and it is pretty difficult because they because the uh, positions are randomized. You need to really know where the various secrets are in both games. But, but, I mean, when you make the file, you they also give you just the list of where the item locations are, along with a list showing kind of the general progression that they would expect you to take in case you just want to spoil the experience because you're right. just tired of bashing your head against the wall. Which...
0: That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and also really frustrating.
1: Yeah, but just just the idea that this exists and along with, there's, you can also customize what character you play as in each game. I mean, there are way more for A Link to the Past than Super Metroid just because A Link to the Past has kind of your standard sprite size, so... It was a lot easier to port those over to that game than Super Metroid, which has kind of a double height for Samus. Right. But but anyway, it's something I recommend. It 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 also really crystallized to me where I mean, as blasphemous as this sounds, this kind of confirmed that yeah, a link to the past probably is not in my top two of Zelda games. <laughs> Yeah, where there, I like. Well, Breath of the Wild is amazing, and it so is just along with I think I like Link's Awakening more than a Link to the Past, to be honest, especially that remake of it that came out last year. Yeah,
0: it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, and also. A Link to the Past is also probably the only Zelda story that really affected me emotionally. (laughs) I just remember Ah. when I finished it, it was just at... I was just at my middle school. I finished the game, and I was just kind of bummed out for the rest of the day. (laughs) Because, I mean, I'm not going to spoil the ending to it, but it is definitely a very melancholy one
0: yes it is (laughs) cool man well alex you know it is always a blast to talk to you and i loved hearing about uh the you know the new house i hope that works out really well um i wanted to give you a chance to to shout out anything or just you know have have a have a place to say whatever you want at this point before we wrap up
1: okay well I just want to congratulate the United States on taking the first step and getting out of the Dark Ages.
0: <laughs> Love it. That's yeah. that is the only, <laughs> well, not the only, but one of the the uh, uplifting things we can hold on to here um, in the last day of November when we're recording this in 2020 because this has been a hell year, and. It's been a hell four years for us here in the United States. And yeah, you're right. One step in the right direction. And, you know, for for people in other nations who listen to this who actually had leaders that, you know, were willing to do the right thing to help get you through a pandemic so you could be enjoying your lives again. I'm I'm so happy for you. And for those of us in the United States that are surrounded by enough blockheaded people that we're still having surging COVID numbers and still have to be locked down inside. At least we don't have a fascist president anymore.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Every <laughs> every day, the first thing I say to my mom after good morning or whatever is good news, and then I just remind her that it's so good. Going-
0: it's so good to listen to Joe Biden speak and, and have it sound like a president. Oh my God. Like the fact that we're hearing nothing from the person who's still the president through January 20th. And we have a gentleman talking about how, you know, how the holidays should be handled and how to make the best out of everything. And even though there's a vaccine coming, that doesn't mean that you're cured. And so you should see, and like just being reassuring that we're going to get through it. And it's just like, Jesus, I miss this. I miss this so much. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank That is a really good, good way to good way to go out is yes. Congratulations. um, You know, Alex to our nation for making a step back in the right direction. I hope. Uh, Oh, my God. Well, it has been an absolute blast, Alex. Thank you for shooting the shit with Chippa. Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. Okay. Bye.